Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Alrighty. Good morning, Melissa. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm on my second cup of coffee. I feel like that always helps me feel better. I'm going to go to a new dinner spot tonight Ooh. in Nashville. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Been looking forward to it all day. I don't know if anybody else just like thinks about their next meal all day, but that's pretty much what I do. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing. Where? What kind of food is it? It is like Asian street food. It's called Hawkers, I think. It's, Ooh. Yeah, it's new. It looks so good. So I have no idea what I'm going to get, but can't wait. Well, we're on the health train in this household, so we're having ground turkey for dinner if anyone wanted to know. <laughs> I'm trying to be on the health train too, so I need um, – later I'm going to reach out and ask for ideas for dinner because I have been struggling, and that sounds really good. Yeah, we're uh, – we're both like, okay, it's time to kick it into gear. Like it's spring, it's almost spring and soon after it'll be summer. And you know, yeah. it's just, it's always there too quickly. So we're trying to like do that right now, but we'll see. I usually cave by the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. As soon as it starts to get a little warm outside, I'm like, okay, I need to do something because, yeah. you know, not that you know, everybody can wear whatever they want and feel good. For me personally, I would like to get into more shape to feel good in a bathing suit. And that's okay. I also want to be able to do things outside, like active things. And I feel like if Mm. I wait until like right when I want to do those things, then I'm exhausted when I do active things outside when it's nice. Plus I actually like, I struggle with any kind of heat now that I'm in the Northwest instead of North Carolina. I'm like, really excited to like go hiking and camping and not be so hot. So that's why we're both getting in shape. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Well, today, I guess we're going to kind of talk about getting your email list in shape. Uh, Ooh, good one. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about how to switch ESPs, um, that stands for email service providers, without damaging your deliverability. So in case you didn't know, I feel like we need to make this disclaimer. Melissa and I both work for an ESP called ConvertKit. So if you're hoping for us to like list off the best ESPs you should be switching to, we're not going to do that because we are biased and we believe ConvertKit's the best ESP and we're not going to, yeah, cover ESPs in that way. But we're going to talk about if you do decide to switch ESPs, hopefully to ConvertKit, what you should be doing to make sure you're in a good place and make sure that your first emails at your new ESPs don't go straight to the spam folder. Right. And if you're not going to use ConvertKit, which we hope's not the case, but <laughs> there are plenty of um, like responsible and good ESPs that you can use. But just make sure you do your research and, you know, figure out what they have to offer and what things uh, from a deliverability standpoint they offer, because that's an important piece of the entire ESP puzzle. 
Yes, that's the perfect segue. So let's just talk a little bit about how in the world to choose an ESP. There are, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of ESP options out there. I do think in season one, we covered this a little bit, but I think if we're talking about high level, the three most important things are that the ESP has all the features that you absolutely need that they take deliverability and spam seriously. We can talk more about why that's important and that you're gonna have access to deliverability support when you need it. I think that one is a bit harder to find. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So when it comes to the features you need, from what I've seen and talked for customers, it seems like the most features people look for um, is like reporting, making sure you have all the reporting that you need making sure the email editor works for you and your use case that you can make emails look the way you want. And then automation is a huge one, of course. So if you're someone who's going to use a lot of automated kind of workflows and setups, you want to make sure the ESP that you're working with has all of those features that you need. One more I just remembered is like um, subscriber management. So tagging, Mm -hmm. segmenting, all of that needs to work well for what you are using email for. Good one. (laughs) Thanks. I was so focused on, I was so focused Um, on what you were saying. I was like, yeah, yeah. That I was like, totally not ready for anything to say back. That's fine. Cause you're going to have a lot to say about this next one. Um, cause I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, ESPs, while of course we're here to help our customers and we're, um, trying to make the best product possible, We also have to do a lot of fighting spam on our end. So Melissa, do you want to talk more about like, why do ESPs need to worry about spammers sending on their platform? I think this is actually something that a lot of senders don't really think about, which is can be fine if you're with a a good ESP, because that's kind of the ESP's job is to combat that for all of our good senders and good customers. But when we look at all of our accounts from the back end. Like our job is to make sure that people are following the rules, practicing good deliverability habits. And if people, if we were to just let anybody in who wanted to send an email, um, it would severely hurt our sender reputation and also our customer sender reputations. Um, so we take spam and you know, any kind of malicious sending very, very, very seriously. And so we are very careful about who we let send from our platform because we want to make sure that we are always taking as much caution as we can with our IPs and making sure they're healthy so that senders who are good will see good results. Yes, that's so important. And I love that you clarified that like, we can't let everyone use ConvertKit. I don't think a lot of people know this, but like at ConvertKit, we turn down a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of revenue because we don't want the senders to harm our sender reputation and the deliverability of all of our creators. So make sure that whatever ESP you decide to switch to has that same mindset. There are ESPs out there who do not want to turn down revenue and they are not very willing to let go of the senders who are causing problems for their other customers because, again, it is turning down money. So if you go to an ESP that has that sort of mindset, there's a chance that your deliverability could have trouble because of the other customers of that ESP. So again, you're not going to experience that at ConvertKit. We have a very uh, large, robust team of 
compliance and deliverability experts who make sure that our um, reputation is healthy and that we do eventually turn down the revenue that's not healthy for our um, other customers. But make sure your ESP, whatever ESP you use, is doing the same thing. And then another really important one, which luckily we have Melissa here and Akash and um, some other deliverability specialists to do this. But we want to make sure whatever ESP you use is giving you access to deliverability experts to help you. So if you use ConvertKit, for example, and your open rates drop all of a sudden, you're not going to just talk to a general support person who is probably, you know, wonderful and lovely and smart, but you're going to talk to a deliverability expert like Melissa or Akash on our team, and they're going to be able to give you a very high-level expertise, advice, and dig into your account, and they take so much time on each individual customer. So make sure that your ESP does that as well, because I know I've seen it at um, people send off of ESPs and they have all sorts of trouble, their emails are going to spam or their opens drop and they don't have access to support and they just have to go digging on their own and they get lost. It can be really confusing and there's a lot of information out there that isn't necessarily actionable, I would say. Like you can go and look up any term, obviously that's deliverability related and get a general idea of like what people are talking about. But Everything that I see on a day-to-day is very, usually very specific to that person's account and their their sending habits. And, and I also would say, you know, we've talked about this in other episodes, but deliverability can be like kind of one of two things. Either it's a technical like backend thing that is a really easy fix, like a DMARC record, or it's something that has been happening over time and has caused kind of a larger detriment to your sender reputation. And either way, I would say normally we are able to pinpoint the issue relatively quickly. The solution's not always a quick and easy answer, but you know, it's it's definitely going to save you a lot of time as a sender if you do end up having a deliverability issue to reach out to a support person who knows what they're talking about because yeah, trying to figure out on your own can oftentimes cause you to look the wrong direction as well, which could actually end up hurting you even more as a sender. So I could talk about that probably all day, but <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely love helping customers. Um, and I love helping them like feel secure as a sender. And so when they do have issues, like it's a really like great feeling to be able to be like, Hey, this is what you need to do. And then typically like people will start seeing relatively good, you know, open rates again, or whatever it is that they're struggling with. Like, again, it does kind of take some time, but I feel like it's just maybe not talked about as much in sort of like the ESP world when people are looking for um, a good ESP to go to. So I would, I would definitely like recommend making sure that that's an option. Yes. And I am now feeling like we need to have a whole episode on this topic because I'm going to say something that I'll want to go down a rabbit hole on and (laughs) talk about forever. And I'm not going to, but I just want to say something briefly that like, you will see all these reports online of here are the, you know, ESPs with the best deliverability, or here's the ranking of all ESPs based on deliverability. And the way that they (laughs) do those studies is oftentimes extremely wrong. Like, There was one floating around recently where I reached out to the author and I had to educate them. I was like, 
how did you calculate deliverability? And they're like, oh, we went to this website and it gave us a score. And I just picked one customer using your ESP and I looked up the score and I'm like, okay, (laughs) there's a lot going on there. And that is absolutely like not a way that you can test the deliverability of Mm -hmm. all the different ESPs. And they ended up changing their article. But anyways, those get floated around because, you know, they get a lot of views, they get a lot of clicks. But what I always tell people is the real way to measure deliverability performance across ESPs is what we're talking about right now of like, Mm -hmm. are you going to have support? Do they take this stuff seriously? Do they have experts? Do they have relationships with um, all the different mailbox providers and block listings? Anyways, again, I think this is a whole episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you see those articles, beware, because oftentimes they are not using any sort of accurate testing to determine the way that an ESP's deliverability is performing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we could totally talk about that forever. So I won't even say anything (laughs) on that, but uh, that's a really good point. Okay, well then let's jump right into switching to a new ESP. So we are going to imagine the person we're talking to throughout this conversation is making the change from one ESP to another, could be any ESP in the world. And we're just going to give some general um, actionable advice that everyone should think about whenever making that switch. Yeah. Um, so th- I was going to say, this is one that I actually like see quite a bit. I was just telling Alyssa, I was yeah. having a customer with this today. So if you are in this situation, this first one is actually like a really good one to talk about. Um, I cut you off before you about to start talking about it. So I'll let you. No, you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> Be careful with unsubscribes, bounces, and spam complaints. When you are importing your list, this just happened to a customer I was working with um, recently, and they said that they typically send their list through a list validation tool, which can be really helpful in identifying, um, you know, invalid addresses or addresses that are no longer active. Like they maybe they closed their their account. But what happened was this person imported their list, and their complaint rate and their bounce rate was a little higher than what we typically like to see. And to me, that just looks like they imported part of their list that was not what they were supposed to include. So usually an ESP, you know, deals with bounces and complaints for you so that you don't have to go in and manually deactivate that person. But if you're not careful and you export your entire list, it's possible that you could also import some of those people that were already deactivated. And when you send to them again, they're probably going to bounce or they're going to complain again, which is just not going to help you at all. Yeah, this one's pretty important. And I would say uh, without getting too in the weeds, like your sender reputation is already going to be slightly affected because any change that you make as a sender doesn't matter. Really small changes can affect open rates and email placement. So if you're already like changing to a new ESP, email box providers are going to see this and they may put more of your emails in the primary folder. They may put more of your emails in the spam folder. But if you're going to send to like invalid addresses or have people complain, it's going to not be good for you. So just really think about that and make sure you're segmenting your list correctly so that you don't run into that issue. Yes. And, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not giving any legal advice, but I will say that once people have unsubscribed from your list, it is in most places illegal to send them more emails. Mm -hmm. So 
that's just a whole nother layer on top of all this that you want to be absolutely sure that you are making the people who unsubscribed in your last ESP, you're not emailing them in your new ESP. So we know when it comes to the bounces and the spam complaints, I think Melissa, you covered it perfectly that that, you know, that's not really getting into legal area, but it's just a terrible practice because those people have already either marked your messages spam or those are bad addresses. So it just looks really bad. Mm -hmm. It looks like you're not a responsible sender. Right. When this is a super easy mistake to make, but spammers will oftentimes, you know, send to lists that are not good or, you know, are unhealthy. So it makes you look like a spammer, which is definitely not the goal. So I think there's two different ways to approach this. There's one I prefer more than the other, but whenever you're switching to a new ESP, you can either just not import all of your unsubscribes, bounces, complaints, just sort of let them go and only import active people, or you can import unsubscribes, bounces, and complaints and immediately unsubscribe them. I think that's my favorite option because that way those people are instantly put into an inactive state and you cannot email them. Mm -hmm. A funny joke in the deliverability world is that people always blame the intern for things. I don't, I think a lot of times like the intern doesn't even exist, but I reach out to someone. I'm like, oh, this list you imported doesn't look very good. And they're like, oh my gosh, my intern did that. They're fired. (laughs) I'm like, oh gosh, poor intern. But let's say for real that you have an intern and they just find, you know, a CSV list on your computer of email addresses. They don't know the history. They don't know who has unsubscribed and who hasn't. And they just put it right, you know, into your account. If you had already imported those people and marked them as inactive, they should keep that state even Mm -hmm. if they get re-imported. But if you didn't do that before, then those people join your list because the poor intern didn't know. Right. And then you're in trouble. So I personally like the strategy of importing them and immediately putting them in an inactive or unsubscribed state. Yeah, great point. So if you can, uh, number two – thing that I think is super, super, super helpful whenever someone is switching to a new ESP is to bring over any engagement data you can. The reason why this is super helpful is that in email deliverability, hopefully you've listened to some of our episodes, uh, you know that keeping your list healthy and engaged is extremely, extremely important. And just because you've moved to a new ESP and your data is kind of starting from scratch for you, It's not starting from scratch for mailbox providers or block list. So it might look to you like, oh, yeah, this person in my new ESP, they didn't open one message. No big deal. But maybe historically, they haven't opened a message from you in a year. Uh, Gmail is still going to know all that historic data, and they're going to treat you by using that historic data. So it's important that you don't lose all of your past engagement data. You want to be able to use it to keep your list clean keep your list engaged. So if you can, I always recommend two things. If you can get the last opened date for each subscriber and import that into your new ESP, that's really helpful. And also if you're switching from an ESP that has some sort of subscriber scoring, you know, feature, if you can export that subscriber score and import it into your new ESP, that is hugely helpful. I honestly love when people switch from MailChimp to ConvertKit because I can easily say, oh, these people were, you know, zero to three stars in MailChimp. Let's not email those people. 
Like, let's just email your fours and fives. And then maybe we'll bring in some threes later. But it makes things so much easier. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you're at an ESP, hopefully at least you should have access to some kind of tagging or segmentation. So if you're able to at least segment or tag the most engaged subscribers, however that is that you can do in that particular platform, um, it's really easy to bring those tags over and import those people into ConvertKit as well. Yes, I love that. Tags are so nice and helpful. I know. They're my favorite thing. (laughs) I would be one of those people, if I had my own big email list, it would like the technical team would not like me because I would probably have 5,000 <laughs> tags. I know. I have definitely been in those accounts where I'm like scrolling and scrolling yeah. and scrolling through all their tags. And I think, how do they keep up with this? But it's like, oh, here's these two people that have one thing in common. Tag them. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. <sighs> okay. So the third thing that you should do whenever you switch to a new ESP is to keep your sender name and email address consistent. So the goal is that this transition from ESP to ESP is seamless for your subscribers. They likely will not notice any difference. And you don't want to confuse them by changing sort of the core element of your emails. We talk all the time about how it's important that you are recognizable. You don't want to surprise your subscribers because the thought in your subscriber's mind of who is this sender is not good. That's going to likely lead to a spam complaint Uh, where they mark your message as spam, or they just don't open it. I think that even though this one seems kind of um, simple and maybe obvious to some people, I think it's just like the small things like this. Like if you were to like accidentally just have like the from, like the what all of us see in our inboxes, like from Alyssa Doolin, like if it were to say from Alyssa at AlyssaDoolin.com instead of her name, like instead of your name, Alyssa, like I feel like that, even just that small thing could be really confusing. And if you have that, plus if you're setting to like, you know, your least engaged subscribers, like all these things together can be like the perfect storm for terrible deliverability. So even though it seems like a smaller thing, it's definitely important to try and keep everything as consistent as possible so that you don't run the risk of like having all of these things add up against you as a sender. Yes, so true. And to use this podcast as an example, we actually do have an email list. So if you want to get on that, go to convertkit.com slash deliverability. And anyways, uh, whenever I email that list, it comes from deliverability defined. Although I'm sure by now the listeners know both of our names, they definitely know the name of the podcast. That's what they signed up for. So if I switch to a new ESP, which I would never do, but if I did, Uh, and I just decided to start emailing from Alyssa Doolin, those people would probably be like, wait, who's Alyssa Doolin? Because they know me in the context of the podcast. There's a good chance they wouldn't just off the bat know who I am. It would be confusing and could lead to a lot of problems. So just make sure that you don't switch it up unexpectedly Mm -hmm. on your subscribers. Yeah, it's a really great example. So our last point, this one I think is the trickiest uh, point that a lot of people always want guidance on, Mm -hmm. and it is to potentially warm up your list. This sort of has a lot of like, it depends moments (laughs) in this. First, let's talk about IPs. So you can either be sending on a dedicated IP at your ESP or a shared IP. If you're listening to this and you're like, I have no idea what I'm sending with, then you're probably on a shared IP. I would say most people listening to this are sending from a shared IP address, which means you and 
other senders are all on the same IP addresses. You can also be on a dedicated IP, which means that there is an IP address that your ESP is sending from, and you are the only sender on that IP. We can get into maybe another episode, the pros and cons of a dedicated IP and when to use one. But in this case of switching to a new ESP, if you'll be on a dedicated IP, you definitely need to warm up that IP, warm up your list. You should have a team of people at the ESP that will be helping you with this. Some ESPs do have an automated warm-up feature. I know we do. So that makes it actually so easy for you. You don't have to do anything. Our system does all the hard work. But that's just something to keep in mind. So for the rest of the people, most people, I would say, you're on a shared IP. But you might need to just warm up your new kind of like setup that you have. So your domain has never used these new IPs to send. And so you're sort of just like getting mailbox providers used to this new setup by sending your mail a little bit at a time, not all at once. And not everyone needs to warm up their list. So sort of the thresholds I've used, and this is no hard and fast rule. That's the thing with deliverability. Um, Pretty much any deliverability expert you talk to has a slightly different answer for everything, Mm -hmm. which I know can be kind of frustrating, but it's just that there's this isn't a science. But these thresholds have worked really well with the customers I've helped. So for a list of 35,000 to 50,000 subscribers, you don't have to warm up your list, but it is a nice practice if you're able to do it. And I'll talk more about like what a warm up entails. Um, But here are the thresholds. So if your list is 50,000 to 100,000, I would suggest that you warm up your list. And then if your list is greater than 100,000 subscribers, I would say it's pretty necessary to warm up your list so you don't just send to 100,000 or more all at once on your new ESP. And this is kind of a, I won't go into too much detail, but uh, another customer that I recently helped, they were trying to kind of go with this sort of 35 to 50, or maybe it was a little bit more setup of like kind of warming up their list. But I think this is before they were asking for any deliverability help. They they were like, um, here are the people that I'm warm- that I'm warming up with ConvertKit. But I think they were still sending to other parts of their list from the other ESP they were moving over from. And that can be also not the best thing to do um, because then you are sending with the same name from two different ESPs with two different IP addresses. And that's really confusing to email box providers. So just keep that in mind if you are going to warm up your list and I'll let Alyssa kind of explain, you know, that process, but definitely would not recommend sending from two different ESPs and like moving your list slowly over while sending from both. That's just not really good practice. Yeah. And before I get into the specifics, one reason why I think people are so confused by that is because they think, well, I'm moving to a new ESP. So I can totally kind of like trash my old one. You know, it doesn't matter what I do over there because I'm moving to this new ESP. So maybe they're like, well, I'm going to send all my engaged emails through ConvertKit, for example, and send all my unengaged emails through this other ESP that I'm moving away from for a little while. It's like, well, that doesn't actually get to what you're hoping it does because your domain is being used for both of those emails. And Gmail, for example, is seeing, okay, this sender is sending an email and people love it. It's getting great engagement. And then like whatever, a day later or something, they're sending an email to a list of very unengaged people and they're getting terrible feedback. Like no one's opening it or a very small amount of people are opening it. 
And then that looks really bad. So that's going to actually hurt the reputation of that domain that you're going to use to send from your new new ESP. So you can't just like, uh, as you're moving to a new ESP, treat your old setup like it can be just like burned and it's not important and you don't have to keep it healthy because you do like that reputation carries over from ESP to ESP. So to get into what a warmup actually entails, because I think there's a lot of confusion around this too. Um, whenever I help people get warmed up, I have a spreadsheet and I tell them exactly how much volume to send on each day and who to send to. But the most important piece for our listeners to know is that you always want to start with your most engaged subscribers. So this is a way to make a really nice first impression right as you get started sending with your new ESP. Because like Melissa talked about, you're starting from a new setting and mailbox providers are already going to be a little just kind of on edge because they have seen your mail come from the same IPs in the same system for so long. And all of a sudden something is different, which is just always a little risky. We never want to look like spammers, of course. So that is something that spammers do is they constantly spin up new IPs and have new systems. So mailbox providers are a little suspicious at this point, but one way that you can help them be less suspicious is to have amazing open rates and engagement right off the bat. So it's sort of a way to say like, yes, something is different about my mail, but I'm a good sender. You should trust me. And also you're not just sending all at once to your full list, which can look super suspicious. You should start with people who have opened like in the last 30 days, um, very engaged people. And that should be your first send. And then the next day, or as much as you can space it out, I would say between one day to one week, it's time for your next message. And you can start to include more subscribers in that message. But here's what I think a lot of people get confused. I'm not saying that you should send day one to super engaged people, day two to like half engaged people, and then day three to people who are unengaged. Because what that means is on day three, you're sending a ton of negative signals and that looks bad. And all the work you did on day one is totally erased because now mailbox providers are like, oh my goodness, what are they doing? Like no one wanted that message. So it's more of like a, you're adding each time. So you're always going to have your core of engaged people in your audience. You should at least, <laughs> because that helps offset the negative signals that you're going to get from your unengaged subscribers. So think of it more as like a a, a bar graph that just kind of like gets more and more stacked each time instead of equal volume over time. Um, so again, on your second send, you're going to keep those really engaged people and then add in a, you know, a little bit less engaged people. So maybe mm -hmm. people have opened in the last 90 days. And then the next time it's like people who have opened in the last 120 days, for example. So that does mean you're going to have to send different content each time or your core engaged people would receive the same message over and over. So that's a little bit of work on your end. And it means, you know, you will send emails to your really engaged people that your unengaged people never get. And that's just going to lead to better deliverability. So you might have to get a little creative to make that work. Whew, I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just talked for a long time. No, it was really, no, no, it was really good. Um, 
I wouldn't say this is as common probably for the the larger lists who definitely need to do a warm up, but I have seen people in the past who maybe didn't have like the best segmentation when they did come over. So they are asking themselves like, well, I don't have the best data for my most engaged subscribers, but something that I don't think people always think about is normally if you're selling something or if you have a course you offer, like the most engaged subscribers are going to be the people who are looking for the next thing. So if you have a course and typically those people are pretty engaged because they're looking for their next um, email with, you know, the next set of directions or whatever it is that they're in the course for. Think about those people and you'll want to send to those kinds of subscribers because they're the ones who are typically pretty like active and back and forth conversations with you as a sender. So if you don't have the best data, that's something to just kind of think about. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because sometimes, you know, it is a list of like 2 million and they're like, we don't have any engagement data. And then you have to get creative. But um, Mm -hmm. in that case, honestly, just pulling a random group of people is going to be your best bet. So Mm -hmm. if you do have a large list that needs to be warmed up and you have no engagement data to use, although it's unfortunate, then you're going to go based on volume alone. As I'm saying this, I also want you to know if you're thinking of using ConvertKit or you use ConvertKit, we actually have a team, a migration team that will handle all this for you and help you. So I know it sounds really intimidating and I want to make sure you know that. And I can't speak to other ESPs, but that might be something to look into. So again, if you don't have engagement data, then you're just going to go based on volume and we're going to tell you like, okay, day one, send to 20,000 people. Day three, send to 40,000 people. And we're going to help make sure that you don't send too much at once. And that will just be like a random snapshot of your list so that hopefully since it is random, you're getting a mixed engagement level. Cool. All right. Oh, I hope that helped. Um, Felt like a lot. That was some good information. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I know it's always scary to like move to a new ESP and hope everything goes well, but it's really fun when it does go well. I just helped a customer move from Substack to ConvertKit and it's really fun to see it, you know, go well. And like, he was so excited. His open rates were higher. He actually didn't warm up his list of 50,000, but I worked with him to make sure that that was Uh, you know, an okay choice. And he has really high engagement. So he did great. And it can be fun and a little Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're watching the numbers roll in and you're hoping everything's going well. So if you're thinking about switching ESPs, whether it's ConvertKit or another one, uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or if you have any stories about maybe something going wrong or something going really right, we would love to hear it. So let us know. Yes, please do. We love to hear feedback and it's fun to have, you know, especially I love that idea about if you have a story of switching to a new ESP, I, it'd be fun to be able to share that. Yes. I'm trying to rack my brain and think if I have any crazy new ESP stories, but I don't think I do off the top of my head other than I would say definitely the last ESP I worked for, we dealt with a lot of more like ESP hoppers. I think there are certain kinds of email senders who just like always want the next best thing when it comes to an ESP and they change ESPs like every year. So that's always interesting to work with those people who are constantly moving around and seeing what's best and (laughs) helping them get good results without messing up all the algorithms. Definitely. 
Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We're really happy still to be back for season two. It still kind of feels like the first like week of school, you know? Yeah. Where you have your new fancy clothes on and you're like seeing all your friends again. Yeah. Alessa, well, uh, yeah, we, we're doing video now and that's weird. And you'll see me drinking coffee sometimes when Alyssa's talking. <laughs> yeah. If you are listening and you're like, what video? What are you talking about? Um, you can go follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's just at deliverability defined. And we're going to be posting some video there so you can uh, see the way we look, which. Well, you know, I have to really... It's not impressive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know how bad my resting face was until our first video. And while Melissa's talking, I look angry. So I'm um, I'm making myself smile while talking, which is new. But I promise I'm really happy, even though I look so mad sometimes. <laughs> we're, just, we're just learning a whole new set of skills. So yes, bear with us if you watch the videos. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Please don't judge us too much, but we're getting better. It's all good. Yes. Hope you all have a great week. Make sure to subscribe, rate us, hopefully five stars. Yep. And you can go to convertkit.com slash deliverability to send us a question or story or topic or whatever you want. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.